sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. spooksters out there on this glorious spooky Sunday. My name is Anne Rekovich and I am joined by the delightful Renata Daniel in the Newcastle live radio studio. How you doing, Nata? I'm fine, thank you. That's good. We've got a jam-packed show tonight, per usual. Not as jam-packed as last week's. Oh, wasn't that a big night? It was, but it was awesome. And the feedback we got from people was just... Curling. Yeah, thank you very much for everyone who was listening um, and joined us last Sunday night for our four-hour spectacular and who then um, gave us some feedback, which is so wonderful. Except I upset poor Sean Porter from Ghost Stop. I know I put his name in the thank you list and then it got published. His name had disappeared. Oh. I have no idea where it went, but oh. I was mortified that his name was left off the list. Oh. And uh, he said, oh, I'm not on there, but um, you girls are welcome anyway. And I went, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and he spent such an awesome time sending that message. Yeah, he did. He produced a really lovely um, message for us with great spooky stories. My favourite one is still the um, how to how to scare people that you don't know. Is you just walk up to them and go... You smell different when you're awake. Mm. I loved that. Mm. Creepy as. So, Renata. Yes. What's what's happening in our world at the moment? Well, we're heading back to doing tours. Yay. Yay. Absolutely fantastic. Mm. So we have three tours that are now back up and live and running. And um, we're almost booked out for all of them at the moment. So Maitland Jail is up and running now. And there are some vacancies available for some of the tours. And they're putting on extra dates, especially December and January, for people who um, want to come along and who have had to miss out or shift their dates because of COVID <coughs> restrictions. <coughs> COVID. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have Wallumbai, um, our fabulous Wallumbai ghost walk, which is also up and running. We have that this month with just a handful of spaces left. And uh, Gloucester for this month is almost sold out because we have fans who have just decided that they want to be there. Come hell or high water. It is the, honest to God, it's one of my most favourite locations. It's It's insanely beautiful and what we get to investigate just blows my mind. Yeah, it is just so different from any other investigation in Australia. Yeah, and in news for me, I'm trying to learn how to use TikTok. Mm. I've got a mentor who's telling me I've got to post three to four times a day and I hate it. (laughs) I hate it with a passion. (laughs) But if you want some amusement, please head over to our TikTok page, Anne and Renata. I need the support because our posts are not getting a lot of likes. (laughs) No, no. We don't fit into the category of nope. young and perky and... Um, nope, we're not 13. ...and, and delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and our, our th- I think our topic is dying in the backside. That's okay. That's okay. I've got a mentor and he's going to teach me everything I need yeah, to know. Yeah, I want to see him. Yep. I want to see him I'm, I'm <laughs> get so... our numbers up to a 1,000. Yep. I, I really do. Yep. I, I'm, I'm opening that challenge up to him. All right. All right, Robert, you heard that. That's yeah, it. Okay. You've got the challenge sent yeah. out to you. Yeah, you show me what you can do. Yeah. <laughs> 
I've got, it's a 30-day thing, so we'll, we'll just see. Anyway, oh, Renata. What day are we up to? Well, one week is down, <laughs> down already, and I have not oh, done very well. Um, he's going to be checking my numbers Monday. Oh. He's in America, so I've got till Monday oh, night. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, all right. So um, I have a story that is associated with our topic for the evening, the wager board. And uh, this is about the infamous Zozo that appeared a couple of years ago and seems to have stuck around. And we're not quite sure where Zozo has come from or where the importance of Zozo. And I'm going to say Zozo a thousand times by the end of of. of this. Your soul will be consumed. <laughs> I know. So Zozo is believed to many by many to be a demon that connects with people using the Ouija board. Or is he? In 2009, a man by the name of Darren Evans wrote about a terrifying experience he claimed to have whilst using the Ouija board. His report detailed how he had come in contact with a malevolent spirit by the name of Zozo. It was quickly realised that he wasn't the only one. Maybe it was actually just an Australian who was trying to go, Oz, Oz. (laughs) Evans claimed that the spirit of Zozo had come through to him in various different occasions whilst using the Ouija board, sometimes even pretending to be a different spirit by lying, only to eventually make his self known by his malevolent ways. How does he know he's lying? I don't know. Although Zozo only appeared to come into play in 2009, it actually turns out that the Zozo demon goes back at least 200 years. So on, uh, it was March the 24th, 2009, when Darren Evans decided to speak of his experiences with Zozo on an online forum that was used by people to tell their stories on paranormal happenings and true ghost stories. We've all seen those forums. Oh, those forums are just a wealth of knowledge, aren't they? They are. Mm. Evans detailed how he had long had an interest in the occult and paranormal and that on his first encounter with Zozo, the Ouija board, he was using... Oh, the Ouija board he was using, not the Ouija board. (laughs) (laughs) The coffee will kick in shortly. The Ouija board he was using went crazy and flew between the Z and the O, frantically spelling Zozo, Zozo, Zozo. We have had that happen. I have, we have had that happen. I've had it happen, yeah, a couple of times. Zozo told him that it had come to take his family to paradise. Oh, when oh. <laughs> is that Disneyland? <laughs> it's a free holiday. I think that's a deal. Take it. When Evans asked the spirit where paradise was, he claims that the planchette The slowly, backseat of his Cadillac? Slowly... <laughs> Spelled out the word H-E-L-L. Hell. He also reported that during the same session, Zozo had started firing out aggressive obscenities in what he believed was either Hebrew or Latin. So in other words, it was a language he didn't understand and has no idea what the words were, but they must be swear words. Obviously. It's called junk. Uh, Evan spoke about how he rushed into his bathroom (laughs) where his girlfriend had been bathing their one-year-old daughter. However, his girlfriend was gone and the bathtub was overflowing and his daughter was in there drowning. What? He claimed that he managed to rescue his daughter on this occasion, but also went on to report how he believed that the Zozo demon was to blame for having to take his daughter to the hospital later with an unexplainable infection. Would that be because she breathed in water? Mm. Not going to blame it on the girlfriend who left the baby unattended? 
What made this story even more terrifying is that Evans doesn't appear to be the only person who has been attacked by Zozo. After he made his post online about his experience, hundreds of other people came forward claiming... I'm I'm special too! (laughs) ...that similar things involving a demon by the name of Zozo had happened to them. They'd all watch the same movie. It's Aussie man, I'm sure. (laughs) The story surrounding (laughs) Zozo... I can't get through this... We're fairly early into the night for Renata to be wheezing so badly. Uh, almost exactly the same. There you go. They all start with someone deciding to sit down and play the Ouija board. Some have even claimed to have come across the demon using a Ouija board app. Oh, <laughs> well, that's legit. That's or, so legit. Or even anything that remotely resembles a Ouija board. <laughs> A long night. <laughs> oh, so they can get the alphagettis and they can arrange the letters of the alphabet out and they can use their spoon inverted and use it as a planchette. <laughs> she's crying. Would you like me to finish that off for you? No, I'm going to do it. Okay. I'll look the other way. It usually starts with them believing that they are speaking to a relative that is now deceased, asking it questions to try and ascertain what the spirit knows about their loved one's life, when suddenly the board will go wild and start to fly between the letters Z and O. This is when it is claimed that threats, blasphemies and obscenities are said to come, often resulting in claims that sometimes their loved ones will be hurt or even killed. One woman wrote... On a different forum regarding Zozo stating, my nephew started running around the house screaming, Zozo, 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 and we frantically made him stop. The next morning, my nephew wakes me up, and as we're waking up, he asks if we can go get breakfast, so I put him in the car and I pull out of the driveway. Not two minutes later, a car runs a stop sign and slams into us. Evans claimed... Don't. Don't even start. <laughs> Just turn to look don't it up. Don't even start. Evans claimed that he shared oh. his story after he Googled the word Zozo and he was amazed when he found more than a dozen stories describing the exact same type of encounter he had experienced himself. Somebody running a stop sign. <clears throat> the frightening information that adds fuel to this story is that Zozo has been spoken about for over 200 years. The oldest Zozo story dates back to 1816 when a book called the Dictionnaire Infernal by Colin de Plonce tells the horrifying story of a young girl who became possessed by three demons named Capulette, Mimi and, and Zozo. He, her strange movements, the girl had told people, were commanded by the demons who possessed her. This created enough of a commotion that a priest came to perform an exorcism on her. When the Zozo demon left her body, it was said the windows of the room shattered. Of course they did, because that's going to make a great movie script. Yep. The girl went down the street on all fours, sometimes forward, sometimes behind. Sometimes she walked on her hands, feet in the air, at the risk of putting passers-by in the confidence of her position. Numerous people actually believe that Zozo is derived from the Mesopotamian god Pazuzu, who was known in ancient times to be the ruler of the demons. Now, that's the picture I actually posted on Newcastle Live. The happy little chappy. Uh, there was also a symbol which etched out the name Zoso, Z-O-S-O, as a code for the god 
Saturn, which was published in an occult book that later got banned in 1521. There you go. She made it. Congratulations, Renata. That sounds like it is such a wonderful story. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. And I've already got my segments muddled. It's not my fairy that's next. It's the jewellery photos that I put up. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I was showing them to Renata during the break and there's some really creative things there but I have to say I, I did put up the comment who <laughs> would you wear this and the comment of the evening goes to uh, Hendrik De Vries who said only ripped from my enemies <laughs> Hendrik that is gold <laughs> uh, alright so let me tell you this story now this is actually an Australian story and I, as you know I'd like to find something that's a little bit weird and that first ring that you see there with the big tooth in it is actually an engagement ring just so so romantic but to make it even weirder they don't even know who owns the tooth Mm. it's just a random person's tooth nice placed into this ring and i mean the the actual design and everything is is quite interesting I, i like the design but Looks like they might have had a, a bit of chocolate before they died or something because there's a bit of something stuck in the tooth. There. Oh. Ew. Anyway, this lovely person called Jackie makes this jewellery. She she sort of uh, will get um, bits and pieces, bits and bobs. <laughs> <laughs> clarify. Can you clarify I that? Will, I will get there. Um, <clears throat> she, it says that she deals in the macabre and the beautiful. I have yep. to say, I got this story from news.com.au. Um, and she's been rather unkindly referred to as Ted Bundy's jeweller, a serial killer, and even a grave robber. And she's, yeah, so she's only 27. Oh, bless her. Look, she's doing something unique. She is. And she said it makes her happy to memorialise the dead in this way and to create these beautiful designs. She lives in Melbourne and where she runs her business, Grave Metallum Jewellery, out of a private studio. So she's doing her own thing in her own little place. Good on her. Mm-hmm. So They wouldn't have laughed at her 200 years ago. No. No. Because this is what they were doing. The memento mori. Mm-hmm. Um, so the business owner collects oddities and parts from the deceased, human or animal, such as hair, teeth, fur and bones, and turns them into works of art for her customers. So it's nice wearable jewellery. Mm, yeah. She uh, has always loved using her hands to create jewellery, but it wasn't until the sudden death of her best friend that her art took on a more grim turn. It's interesting how death can make you look at things quite differently. So with dealing, uh, while dealing with the grief of the death of her friend, she found that she was fascinated with death and um, also how we as people deal with death. So she began experimenting with elements of the deceased, hair, teeth, bones and ashes to create pieces of rings, necklaces, brooches and earrings. Now, as you said, in the Victorian era, mm-hmm. that was a big thing. It was a big thing. And you've got some pieces, haven't you? I do. I've got um, a brooch, a memento mori brooch made from hair um, from a deceased person. Mm-hmm. And it has been woven into this basket weave uh, design. And it's been placed under glass in a brooch as a memento of that particular person who passed away. Yeah, and that gives some people um, peace. It does. Uh, So her creations aren't always made from uh, 
dead people or dead bits. <laughs> a friend handed her three of her teeth and asked her to create a necklace. As you do. Jumping at the chance to turn a taboo object into something beautiful, Jackie realised that this was her true calling. Now, apparently it is illegal. Sorry, it, it is legal to buy and sell human hair and teeth around the world. I, I never knew that. Well, they make wigs from human hair. Well, this is true. For people who um, have alopecia and, um, well, who just want wigs. Yeah. Um, so if, if her customers have some items that they want um, made into something, they just simply post it into her, like tooth, hair, fur, ashes, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Takes her about two to four weeks to create it. can cost anywhere from $250 to $1,000, depending on the design. Now, the most unusual request she's had so far, what do you think would be the most unusual oh, request? I can't even think. I can't. Just tell me. Well, she, let's put it like she declined the offer um, due to the fact that um, she couldn't sanitise it properly <laughs> and couldn't uh, guarantee the longevity of the piece. Apparently, <coughs> apparently, mm-hmm. apparently there was a lady who sent her her used IUD, an intrauterine device inserted into women for contraceptive what? purposes. What? And this lady wanted to have a piece of jewellery made out of her IUD. What? As you do. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? I don't know. I don't know. But good on you. But Maybe she's making money out of she it. She is. She is. And it's making people happy. Yep. She gets regular requests to create jewellery using the fur of dead pets. Uh-huh. I made a mourning ring for a woman's cat called Rasputin, and behind clear courts is a tuft of Rasputin's fur encased forever. Oh. I think that's lovely. Uh, so there was one US customer that commissioned a ring with his own tooth in it, which he proposed to his girlfriend. So this is a different one for the other mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. Um, she, they, they wanted to, to use his tooth so she can always take a part of him with her everywhere. <laughs> Isn't it slightly stalkerish? It's slightly weird. It is. They also have an interest in oddity, oddities. Fair enough. So it only cost them about 350 bucks and about four weeks to create. I reckon that was a bargain. Um, all right, so let me find something else. Uh, apparently they were very happy about the moon, uh, the, the, the over the moon about the ring, and they finally received it. Uh, How do you show that to someone I and go, know. look what I got. Yeah. And look what I got. Isn't it beautiful? And did you see the one there that looks like a full set of teeth? Apparently it's like baby teeth and it's got little diamonds and studs. Go over to the Newcastle Live group page, uh, Newcastle Live Radio group page and have a look at them. Uh, there was another couple from Perth commissioned both uh, matching tooth rings for their wedding, which they held around Christmas last year. The couple are sideshow performers and use their own wisdom teeth to make uh, the set in time for the big day. Uh, it took just two weeks and the couple loved it. Her ring had his tooth in it and his had her tooth in it. They stood out from normal jobs as they wanted the t- full tooth uncut. Uh, 
According to Jackie, she receives compliments and criticisms about her work, both of which she welcomes. Some people love it, some people hate it, but controversy helps you question your normal. Mm -hmm. I love it. I have the joy of helping other people deal with their grief. And if that's what somebody needs to deal with their grief, so be it. Let them have a ring with somebody's tooth in it. Yeah, some strangers. Now, would you buy one of these things? Well, I have already. (laughs) No, but a tooth. I don't know. There's something icky about the tooth. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about the tooth thing, but um, hair I will go with because I I have, um, as you mentioned, Mm. a memento mori piece with hair, and uh, that's fine. Um, I still have a lock of my baby hair hidden away somewhere that my um, dear mother who has deceased um, saved. Actually, you know what? I think I've got my children's teeth somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And it's time for Spooky Chat. And the text messages are rolling in. Oh, I know. Really good questions, too. Yeah. All right. So Catherine was the first cab off the rank tonight. She wanted to know, this is a Ouija board question, can the planchette move without a finger touching it? Not normally. Oh, yeah. If you pick the table up and slide it, it will slide off. (laughs) Not normally. Normally, we act as the battery and uh, give our energy over to the connection that is created. Movies and TV like to show the Ouija board and the planchette moving on their own, but it is rare. Uh, We have heard people say that it has happened, but without actually being there and seeing it for ourselves, I wonder how much uh, is actually going on that involves the... um, Elevated emotional state of people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, and what they're thinking might be movement, but it's not. And I, I, if it was moving on its own, there's a few things I would consider. Firstly, is the table level, and is it the planchette moving? Is someone deliberately? trying to breathe on it to make it move because sometimes those boards can be slippery and so can the uh they call it the table or the planchette can also slide very very easily but the other thing to consider is does somebody have pk ability Mm -hmm. and the the ability to move things with their mind so and in this course i've been studying it it has been shown to mm-hmm. exist. It's yeah, it a does. real thing. So, um, yeah, no, I, not normally, uh, not with the, the every, everyday average person. Okay, so our next question, they didn't tell me their name, but it's a great question. Hi, ladies. There are a few occasions in the past where we decided to cease our spirit board journeys. Always went back to it. <laughs> you can't keep away. Um, and felt we needed to destroy the board as a gesture. The boards we made were broken down and burned. Is this dramatic? Other than selling a board or passing it on, how do you rid yourself from them? You give them to us and we look after them for you. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Was that a bit dramatic? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, but in... Everyone is an individual and our minds work very differently and it's really important to look at what that element of suggestion or suggestibility and what your uh, own subconscious thinking about all of this is. If you're looking for protection, if you are in a state of fear, 
in any way, shape or form with regard to using a Ouija board, then you just have to follow what your gut instinct says needs to be done, even if someone else looks at it and says, you've gone a little bit too far with that. Um, it's, it's about you feeling that you have the empowerment over it rather than it, whatever it might be, has empowerment over you. And if the other person is telling you, I think you've gone a little bit too far with this, I would be saying... Uh, what is your knowledge in this area that you are able to speak like that? <laughs> mm. Because this is where we get the the people who don't know anything about using spirit board communications who imagine, go, oh, it's evil, you can let the devils in. Mm-hmm. And they, they use fear as their knowledge rather than actual knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you want to get rid of a Ouija board, give it away to someone or chuck it in the bin or go stick it in the shed somewhere or send it to us because I collect them. I love Ouija boards. I don't use them very often, but I like the artwork and I like the the mm. weirdness about them. That's true. All right. So this is from the gorgeous Karen. Hi, ladies. Love your show. Thank you, Karen. Question. What's the best way to open and close a Ouija board session? Again, there are so many places you can Google and look that up. Uh, In the end, it has to speak to you in a way that you do it that is... Gives you the feeling of protection, that you're taking the right steps. You feel so, safe. Yep. Yeah. So some people will use um, spirit guides to assist. Some people will call in the angels. Um, some people will just say a particular opening prayer and closing prayer. Uh, it is about creating that boundary and that space for using a Ouija board and then closing it off. And we always talk about it as if you have dialed in a number on your mobile phone and you're expecting to talk talk to someone on the other side you don't leave your mobile phone then open uh, even if you do walk away you actually say goodbye and you close it off or turn it off uh, and that stops the communication from continuing yeah I normally set my intentions before I start and say this is who I want to talk to this is the answers I want I'm going to open up the board welcome thank you for coming in then if you get the answers you want, at the end you say, thank you very much. Uh, we now close that session. You must go back to where you came from. If you don't get the answers you like, you go, okay, this is not working tonight. Um, I remove all permissions. Off you go. Close the board. You are always in control. Right, next question. Daniela. I've never worked with a traditional talking board. Is it a possibility that you will be running lessons on how to use them? We've done this before. We, we, we did have. a we did a Ouija board workshop, but mm-hmm. not necessarily um, how to run it as such, how to run a session or working sessions or anything. I think it was more the history and why people are fearful of them. Mm. We could. We can do one, Daniela. We'll we'll whack that on the Australian School of Ghost Hunting uh, and uh, keep an eye out for that. All right. Oh, I like Joe Ingram's message here. She's, Hollywood has a lot to answer for. People losing their minds over Luigi boards. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen that, guys, you've got to get onto uh, YouTube, I think it is. Look up Luigi boards. It's people who have misspelled Luigi, well, Ouija boards and Ouija boards and... Woo-woo boards <laughs> and... Yeah, everything under the sun. It's it's hilarious. Oh, we've got Mel from the Snowy Mountains. Hi, Mel. How did the Ouija board get its name and when is the first documented use of one? 
Oh, look, I'd have to go into my notes to find that I out. I tell you, you. Yeah, well, go ahead. Okay, so apparently they got the Ouija board to name itself and they asked it, what would you like to call yourself? And it spelt out... O-U-I-J-A. And uh, that is uh, what they think is French for yes, we, oui, and German, ja, which is yes as well. Mm-hmm. So it's yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in actual fact, according to Robert Murch and his uh, um, research on it, he said that it was one of the girlfriends of the guys, the two brothers, I think it was, that invented it, came up with the name. Mm-hmm. But it's a better story to say that the the board named, named itself. itself. So, uh, and when is the first documented use of one? In actual fact, the the Ouija board only came around the very late 1800s, the 1890s. It might have been around about 97, 98. Uh, but there were spirit boards in use right back to the Chinese dynasty times. Yes. It's been around a long time. Yes, people have been trying to connect with the dead in many different ways. And, of course, when we look at um, our own table tipping and glass dowsing, they were all precursors to the Ouija board because those uh, the way of connecting there was such a long and drawn-out uh, way of doing it. Um, it was, well, how can we make it simpler? Now, this is a very interesting thing that's been sent to us here. We've had uh, a picture. I'm just trying to see who that is. Can't work out who it is at the moment. But they've got a picture they've sent to me of a bottle with a witch and Halloween on the front, a little lock, and it's all tied up with string. And then it looks like fur and a button on the inside. That looks fascinating. Mm, it's a witch's bottle. Good evening, ladies. I have a Halloween bottle. I put hair of loved ones and pets and other bits and bobs of those that have passed. Comes out every Halloween as a tribute to them all. Oh, beautiful. Isn't that just gorgeous? Just That's a very, very nice thing to do. And, you know, whatever you want to do to recognize your loved ones and and um, send them love and let them know they're still thought of. Mm, you do it. Absolutely. Um, now we've got Noel from Dunny Do. Thank you for joining us, Noel, and thank you for sending in a text message. This is awesome that you've joined in on the conversation. Now he is saying that you shouldn't play with Ouija boards unless you have the gift. And I think there's a very important thing that he has put in there, and it's don't play. Mm-hmm. Don't play with Ouija boards. They're, they're not a game. They originally were actually meant to be a dating game. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Hollywood got hold of it. But they are now used as a spirit communication tool. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with the other side, you should always show respect. You shouldn't be... Um, playing. Playing. You shouldn't be getting drunk and rolling your own funny things and cigarettes and... Ah, then getting onto the spirit boards and trying to communicate with the other side. So thank you very much for your your input there, Noel, and welcome to the show. And look, one of the reasons we are talking about this is is that um, recently there... We had a cry for help. Yeah, there was a cry for help with regard to um, someone who is using a Ouija board. And, and one of the things that I, I want to stress right now is that um, it should be something that adults do when they're sober uh, and <laughs> when and also can, now I, I don't mean this in a horrible way but mentally stable mm. not under duress mm. uh, never ever ever have children 
uh, associated with the process. Their their small little um, selves are are so open to so many different to wonder. Um, yeah, and and just they sometimes just want to please you. So you know when when you get excited or terrified or or horrified about something, they will mimic you and do the mm. same thing. And they are just sponges and they soak up everything. So you have to be so careful with who you have around. And even if you don't think they're listening, they're listening. Uh, And it is something that's just inappropriate for people who aren't educated enough or take it on as something that they do uh, once in a blue moon, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, Our circumstances are so different because we kind of live and breathe this 24 hours a day, every day. Um, Our level of normal is is very different to somebody else's. Absolutely. Um, But, yeah, do not let your children do this. Please, please. Yeah, uh, and uh, on tours you are very often asked can people bring their children because their children are special Mm -hmm. and they love this stuff. They watch the shows, they're into it, they're not scared of Mm -hmm. this. But when a child is confronted with something that they cannot understand, it becomes a scar and it becomes a nightmare for them. And I remember when we worked at Q Station, we had a private tour booked for a 16-year-old and mm-hmm. her family, and she was supposed to be gifted psychically. Mm-hmm. This, they, they rang us, they spoke to us, and I said, well, we will work to the level of the weakest link of your group. Mm-hmm. Um, the Q Station's given permission for this to go ahead. We don't normally work with anyone under the age of 18, mm-hmm. but... You know, private groups are we can control what happens. This poor child was terrified Mm -hmm. the whole way around. And I do think she actually was gifted psychically. She'd gone to one of the most haunted locations in Australia where there is so much um, disease and uh, misery from people who never got to fulfill their lives here in Australia and and died in horrible circumstances and then she's confronted with the 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 lingering images of these poor souls mm-hmm. She she was a mess by the end of the night. Plus, kids understand the difference between watching something on TV, sitting in their pyjamas, um, eating popcorn <laughs> and being entertained. And that is so different than being on a site where you are in the dark mm-hmm. and your senses are heightened because you are in a space that is like that. And everything is very different. And everything as, is very different. And as soon as you're spooked, so if you've sat down and, and done a Ouija board session with someone who is too young, like we're talking single figures here, not double figures even, yep. uh, then everything if you're spooked as an adult that child is spooked then everything in your house all of a sudden becomes paranormal things that used to happen every day that you've never noticed you suddenly noticed and it becomes paranormal and now it's like the conjuring house and (laughs) oh we're we're all going to die the demons are coming to get us no your house is just the normal house it was the day before but you're now heightened with fear and Mm. and watching everything that's going on and attributing it to the wrong stuff anyway i'm going to get off my high horse Mm. but then we have to work at um reversing all of that and getting back to normal, which is can sometimes be very difficult, and um, it's called grounding yourself in the yeah. the mundane world. Mm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All so right. We just have to watch. 
You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. I am going to get on with this story because it's a bit of a long one and uh, it's really interesting. Can I just, before you do that, just give um, a shout out to Bonnie and a big thank you because she got our podcast up and running last week. Yes. uh, Or this week, I should say, our True Hauntings. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And she's doing next week's and she said she will do them for as long as is required until our team can get back up on board. We love you, Bonnie. You are an angel, honestly. Lady Anne Glen Connor, friend and confidant of Princess Margaret and best-selling author, grew up at Holcomb Hall in Norfolk, where the family and their staff lived cheek by jowl with a very persistent ghost. She explains how the spectral intruder became the star of her latest murder mystery. She's an author. When I took back... When I look back, sorry, on my childhood at Holcomb, a colossal Palladian mansion on the north Norfolk coast with a huge imposing marble hall at its centre, ornate state rooms and four enormous wings, I have fond memories, she says. So would I if mm. I lived in a place like that. We played hide and seek and rode our ponies and our bicycles around the 3,000 acres of grounds within the walls of the park. I adored helping my beloved grandfather look after look after some of the family treasures, including the Codex Leicester, a priceless manuscript written by Leonardo da Vinci himself. Oh, no, it's not Leonardo DiCaprio. I think it'd be far more valuable if oh it was Leonardo DiCaprio. Gosh. But I also have some darker memories, she said, of my sister Carrie waking up screaming night after night, haunted repeatedly by the ghost of a young woman who had suffered terribly when she lived at the hall. We first came across the ghost shortly after we moved into the family wing in 1948, having previously lived in a nearby house. My family consisted of my father, Viscount Coke, who became the fifth Earl of Leicester, it's got to be Leicester, on the death of my grandfather the following year. My glamorous mother, my sisters, Carrie, 14, Sarah, 4, and me, then aged 16. Carrie's bedroom was next to mine, so I would rarely hear, regularly hear her scream out in terror. My mother would rush from her own room to comfort her, but Carrie was inconsolable, crying and shaking. What's that noise? You've got feedback happening there. Oh, my gosh. The ghosts are in the studio. Our lights seriously are in here flashing. Now we've got feedback happening. It's really odd. Really weird. Okay. I've, I've moved the microphone, so... Yeah, just see. just while we got that little break there, I just had a, a little friendly reminder there. Please, guys, vote for us in the Australian Podcast Awards, please. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we'll add to that. Add okay. that before. I'll, I'll make, add it up. to my list. So this went on for at least a year. At first, my mother assumed Carrie was simply having nightmares, but my sister explained that she was being woken by a lady dressed in old-fashioned clothes. And when she told my parents more details of the lady's appearance, they realised that she was describing a lady, Mary. Coke, nicknamed the White Cat, for her fair hair, pale skin and fierce eyes. Two centuries earlier, Lady Mary had been kept as a virtual prisoner by her husband and his family in what is now Carrie's bedroom. Holy crumbs. <laughs> she was long reputed to haunt the house, but no one had warned my sister. Carrie was badly affected by what she saw, always terrified 
to go to bed, exhausted and nervous, so she was moved into a dressing room to sleep. Then a local clergyman came and exercised the bedroom. Exercised or exorcised? Exercised. Got in there with Exercised in the bedroom? With his... That's taking it to a whole different level. Mm. From then on, Carrie's nightmares ceased, but Lady Mary continued to haunt other parts of the house and does so to this day. The household staff certainly knew about the ghost. They called her Our Virgin Mary. Uh-oh. She was most often spotted weeping or flitting along a corridor before vanishing. On occasion, she was given to mischief and would poke or pinch the servants as they made their way around Holcombe, especially in the cellars and the passageways that ran under the house. I knew of the existence of these secret passageways, but I certainly never went down there alone. Seventy years later, I can vividly recall the dread of encountering this spectral lady, of suddenly feeling a hand on your back or brushing against your cheek when you thought you were alone. It's, it is these memories that have inspired my latest book, A Haunting at Holcomb, a murder mystery set there during the war and its aftermath. It draws heavily on my own experiences with a fictional twist or two. I'm glad to say that, unlike the book, there were no suspicious deaths at Holcomb in real life. But the more I have learned about Lady Mary's life at Holcomb, the less surprised I am that her restless spirit still haunts the place today. She was born Lady Mary Campbell, daughter of the Duke and Duchess of Argyll, and was just 19 when in 1747 she was informed that she would marry Edward Viscount Coke, heir to, heir, heir to the first Earl of Leicester and to the splendid Holcomb Hall. Mary, you're going to marry this stranger. You're going to marry Mr Coke. <laughs> She must have been a strong-willed, spirited girl because she made it very plain that she had no wish to marry the Viscount. He was dissolute, fond of gambling, cockfighting and women. Lady Mary treated him with disdain, which perhaps he deserved. Look down my nose at you. But her personal feelings could not stand in the way of a merger between the two great families. I'll do what I have to. Edward, furious of how Mary had behaved during their courtship, abandoned her on their wedding night in retaliation. Take that! She refused to let him consummate the marriage the following night. Or ever. Or no, for him. (laughs) This impasse continued month after month with Mary refusing to emerge from her bedroom. At first, her father-in-law, the Earl, was kindly hoping that she would soften and produce the all-important heir, but he lost his patience. Since she refused to leave her bedroom, he had her locked inside. (gasps) Oh, poor darling. I hope she had a good book. He replaced her faithful maid with one who spied on Mary and reported back to her in-laws. Mary became paranoid, fearful that the servants would poison her. When Mary's family learned that she was being held captive at Holcomb, they tried to negotiate a separation. But it was only after a long year that the Cokes allowed her to leave, realising their efforts had failed. Even then, the battles continued, and Edward refusing to divorce her, and she in turn refusing to be known as Viscountess Coke. Six years later, after their wedding, Edward's dissolute lifestyle caught up with him and he died, aged only 33. Oh, wow. Mary was at last free and at 26 became a merry widow indeed. She was sitting in that room all the time making poppets, (laughs) sticking needles in them. Trying to get some hair that she could pop in there and Mm. 
She lived in London, moving in literary circles, becoming lady-in-waiting to Queen Charlotte, wife of George III, a royal role that I would take on 200 years later for my friend Princess Margaret, and travelling around Europe writing gossipy journals that were published to acclaim. Oh, that reminds me of, is it Bridgerton? They've got the gossip in there that keeps spilling all the juicy stuff. Mm. Now, interestingly, I suffered my own trauma in childhood at the hands of a malevolent governess my parents hired to look after us while they were away in Egypt during the war. This governess was all right with Carrie, but for some reason she took a sadistic pleasure in tormenting, bullying and humiliating me. No matter how hard I tried to please her, every night she would punish me by tying my hands to the back of the bed and leaving me there all night. Oh, no. What if you got an itch? I was terrified of her, and although she was eventually sick, Sacked, not for her cruelty to me, which I never spoke about, but because she had taken me to Catholic Mass. Oh, no. I was deeply affected by her abuse. Unforgivable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it kind of it goes on and on. I'm just looking at the time. Here. That's okay because my story is so short. So feel free to take some of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm, I'm just going to go to Princess Margaret here because she says, Princess Margaret was keen on ghosts. Once, when Kerry and I had visited Glamis Castle, the family home of Queen Elizabeth and the Queen Mother in Scotland, she delighted in telling us stories of the many ghosts said to haunt it, including a tongueless lady. But when I suggested we go ghost hunting in the cellars at Holcombe, she made up an excuse not to. Oh. <laughs> A tongueless ghost. Yeah. I must have been cut out because she was a gossip or something. Yes. In 2004, an electrician called Lou was working high up a ladder in the chapel wing. He looked behind him and saw his drawings for the work hovering in the air beside him. What? Almost as if someone was handing them to him. Oh, it's a helpful ghost. As he watched, they floated back to the floor. There were no windows open, no draft, no explanation. On another occasion, he was using a tower scaffold in the drawing room to work on the chandelier. He left the room to get something, and when he returned, the the two spare struts from the scaffolding had been moved, but nobody had been in there, or at least no living person. In 2005, poor old Lou was walking along a corridor connecting the north to the west side of the house when he heard a noise. He saw the door to a cupboard banging as if someone was slamming it, but there was no one there. As he approached, it stopped. Now, with sound effects. Two of the house staff, Gary and Mark, once came out of the stranger's wing. That's an interesting name. Ooh, hi, and Gary. Walked, hi, Mark. <laughs> and walked through the north dining room into the marble gallery, Mark behind Gary. As they did so, Mark felt a hand pressed down with some force on the crown of his head. He ducked down and swung around to remonstrate with the person, but there was no one there. Oh, that's a weird thing, because normally you feel it on your shoulder, don't mm. you? Now, in 2017, Mark was about to enter the corridor beneath the family wing when he felt but could not see someone. Oh, or I think you said he coming. felt but. <laughs> oh, that's a nice juicy one. He bolted upstairs, hyperventilating in terror. So it goes on and on and on to talk about the different people in the house and the things that they have witnessed. Um, now, Can we put just... this on our bucket list for England? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds, We're starting it off sounds really interesting. <laughs> 
Oh, look, things moving around the house, especially books being moved, um, people being touched up in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it on the list, Renata. Okay. Oh, oh, my gosh. It goes on and on. And to think this is so close to the royal family. Mm. So there you go. Amazing. It's an awesome story. Um, so not only does she, this uh, lady have her own experiences, but she ha- now is an author and she writes some of these things in, in her book. So that's that's an awesome story. And hello, hello, it's hello. your favourite time of the night when it comes to Spooky Sundays oh. and we are talking trash <laughs> and treasure. <laughs> well, you know, I've come up with something a little bit different this time. So what you need to do is you need to go over to the Newcastle Live Radio Group on Facebook and you need to have a look at this very sad little picture that I've put up there. Now, it is a framed portrait of a dead fairy, but it's actually a picture box. Mm -hmm. So it it looks like this little tiny skeleton with pins through its shoulders, pinning it to the backboard with these glorious wings that are draped down beside it. And it's mummified and it looks so real. It looks amazing. Um, Now, this was on Etsy. But I have a funny story to tell you about that when we get to the end. Mm -hmm. I don't have a huge story to do with it, but it just fascinated me. So uh, when I was looking at it, it was when I first looked at it, it was about $39. um, But that was probably about eight months ago because I I did a fair few stories research early Uh on. And because I've been away for the weekend, I dug one of my old ones out. I went to look at how much it was on Etsy now, and it's up to $182. But I'll read you the description. Petrified fairy, mummified fairy, shadow box display, fairy specimen, sprite corpse, dead fairy. I'm wondering what on earth I searched for when I found this. (laughs) Forest creature, fantasy prop, mummy, and fae. And the description, this is a mummified fairy corpse displayed in an aged wooden box with cushioned fabric interior. The fairy's corpse is intricately detailed and hand-painted. So they they are saying that this is a creation. Yes. It looks real. Yeah, it does. And you could see where people would think that this could be real. Um, it says the body has a dried up skin and decaying state effect. So I wonder if they've used actual like animal skin to create this little uh, corpse. It, it is. It's, oh, it's awful, but it's great. Mm. Um, the fairy wings are made with crystal clear epoxy resin colored with pearlescent pigments. It's a perfect creepy display for your desk or bookshelf. A great conversation piece for your office coffin. (laughs) (laughs) It would be, but who are you talking to? (laughs) For your office or library. So they're saying it's 17 centimetres tall. And look, you look at this little thing, and do you know what it reminds me of? Remember when we went to Dublin and we went to St. Michael's or Michael's Church? Yes. And they had the mummified corpses underneath. Yes. And they left us in there. They said, oh, you just go in there and you, when you're done, just shut the door. Yeah, yeah, yes, when you're done. And we're down there, there's like this 
skulls and yes, there's, there's knights which they had coffins yes. and their legs were too long so they yes. cut their legs off and chucked them in there. Yes. <laughs> it was astounding. It was mind-blowing. I could not cope being down there and looking yeah, at Yeah, I felt like I was being naughty. I know. I know. And they said you weren't allowed to take photos, but no, we did. But no, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't. We, didn't. we, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we went and bought the postcards. <laughs> They had coffins stacked on top of coffins and they had sunken down and dropped into each yes. other. And um, these bones of the, and the skin was stretched. Tall. We were looking at dead bodies. They yes. were like a, a, we could have reached down and yes. touched them, but we didn't. No, we didn't. No, no, we didn't. No, no, we didn't. No, no, definitely didn't. No. So we did not take any souvenirs. Whoever's done this um, petrified fairy has made it sincerely look like a corpse. Yeah. Now... I haven't quite finished, but is this paranormal trash or treasure? Oh, look, it's amazingly done. It is artistically done. Mm. It's really weird. Mm. It's not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, I would own it. Me I would too. own it because it is a beautiful piece of artwork. Yeah, it's a, it's very morbid, mm-hmm. but it's amazing. Um, now, I thought I'd see if I could find if there's anybody else that did these petrified fairies. And surprisingly enough, on Amazon mm-hmm. pops up what seems to be exactly the same fairy. Oh. I thought, wow, it's the same picture, that's the same everything. And it was only thirteen ninety nine. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it because this is just too good to be true. And then I looked at the reviews. Uh-uh. It had two reviews, uh-huh. both one star uh-huh. out of five. Uh-huh. And the people said, we received a picture <laughs> of said fairy <laughs> in a really bad frame. <laughs> so, yeah, they got ripped off, oh sadly. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if anyone wants to buy me a present, uh, it's on Etsy at the moment called Dead Fairy Shadow Box Display. <laughs> We could bring it into the studio. I'm sure Tracy would love that. Oh, yes, she would love it. If we just left it left it here on Sunday night for her on Monday morning, she would just... We'd be getting a few words. Now, what I, I had mentioned... Anyway, that's that's the end of my, my Trash or Treasure. It was only a short one today, but we I'd mentioned before um, the Australian Podcast Awards. Now, for those of you who have not yet discovered our True Hauntings podcast, what are you doing? It's so good. And we're saying that ourselves. But it's Seriously, it, it's a lot of great information and we dig down as detectives and look at the reported hauntings and find out whether they're true or whether mm-hmm. they're furfies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a lot of fun along the way and there's a lot of laughs. So there's something called the Australian Podcast Awards. Now, we've been told by some people that we are simply not big enough to be up with the big boys. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? Sometimes Stuff them. They're going to give it a crack anyway. Yes. But the only way we can do it is if we get... Every single one of our listeners out there to vote for us. Now, mm-hmm. anywhere in the world you can vote for us, just go to Australian Podcast Awards and it's the listener's choice. If you type into the box, True Hauntings, you'll see our ugly mugs come up. There was a couple of little suggestions for True Hauntings, but there's only one with the glorious picture of us two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just select that. 
Yep. And then you hit enter, and I think it is, and then I'll send you an email saying, did you really vote for these women? And you go, yes, I did. <laughs> you click on the uh, yes, and that's it. It's mm-hmm. as easy as that. It's It costs you guys nothing, but it means the world to us. Oh, it would be just so awesome if you could crack the top 50 or something. Oh, I'd be, would be, I'd be really, so really happy. Cool. Even just to make that, yeah, yep. number 50, I'd be happy. Yep. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, and also, I want a big shout out to Joe, who's going in for another big operation tomorrow. We're thinking of you, Joe. We are. Um, hope you heal up as quickly and as well as you did last time. We have our favourite spells and spirits lady on the line right now. Um, isn't she the only spells and spirits lady? Shh. Okay, she's and our favourite. She's our favourite, and she has some fantastic information for us to try out. And it's all about success and wealth. Hello, Ms. Gristy. Gristy. Hello. <laughs> Granata. And I believe it's very wet out there and you've got your gumboots on. <laughs> oh, don't start with gumboots. But I, I just want to say, though, I'll, the first segment when we're talking about um, the lady that makes all of those things out of human body parts. and Yeah, the, the rings. Yeah, oh, that was just fascinating. And I was thinking of collecting some pubes and commissioning <laughs> them. <laughs> we're very close to the edge tonight. We're, we're tipping over. <laughs> oh, oh, I've so needed this. This is my medication for the whole week that has been. I tell you what. Oh, oh. I don't need therapy. I just need spooky Sundays. <coughs> I think that needs to go on a T-shirt. You don't need therapy to spooky Sundays. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh. So what have you got for us this week? This week we're going to talk about spell jars for wealth. Oh, amazing. I love them. I love them. Yes. So spell jars, creating a spell jar is all about your intention. So I've put together a group of ingredients that I think work really well in a spell jar. That being basil, cinnamon and clove oil. So those things are all about prosperity and all about drawing those things into you. And I've added a bay leaf, mm-hmm. which is a really nice way because, you know, if you've purchased something from Spells and Spirits, you will always get a little bay leaf magic kit in your order. Mm-hmm. Um, and writing your intention on the bay leaf and popping that in the jar with your herbs. Mm-hmm. Now, Something else I'm also um, adding as well is eggshell. Oh. So eggshell is a really interesting one because it does two things. So it really works um, for prosperity and that as well. But it's also about this protection as well because I, ha- I always think if you're going to be calling in and drawing in money, you just don't want it to come in one hand and out the other. So the eggshell is really about protecting the money that you've got coming in. Oh, I like that. Yeah. But it's also protecting against other people's thoughts, emotions and that about what they could perceive about you having money. So whether it's envy or jealousy or things like that. So keeping that in a little safe container for yourself um, without anyone else's, I guess, input. That's that's exactly right. That's true. That's a really good way of thinking about it and creating something special for yourself. That's right, because, you know, our intention with magic and things like that is doing things for ourselves that really has nothing to do with anyone else. 
And telling other people what you're doing disperses that energy out. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And wealth looks very different to different people, doesn't it? So it doesn't necessarily have to be financial wealth, although, you know, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to have financial wealth. You could put some extra things into that jar if you wanted wealth of, of different sorts. That's right. So, you know, you could change it to rose petals and things like that for love. You know, I guess just looking at different correspondences for what it is that you you are wanting. Mm -hmm. The other thing that goes in there is crystals. Um, So this one I've chosen green adventurine. So for me, green adventurine, while it's still green, you know, because money is a very green um, spell colour, but the green adventurine provides strength and confidence courage, happiness. So those things about renewing your optimism in life and helping you to push forward into doing things with action. I remember Renata gave me some adventurines for travel. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, it just pushes us forward when we want to acquire something in this world. Mm -hmm. So it helps us get out of our comfort zone. It helps us to take on new opportunities. Because the thing is, when we're calling in money and things like that, if we're still sitting home watching Netflix and not doing a damn thing, opportunity is not going to come to us. Mm, That is right. This is true. It is the action that is required after the creation of all of these spells and um, abundance stuff that we do. You can have an abundance mindset and everything, but if you're not Mm. actually working it, it's not going to work for you. No. Instead of sitting there going, oh, I'm going to be wealthy, I'm going to have a million dollars and I will never need to work again, but I'm just going to sit here and watch Netflix and wait for it to come. That's right. It's called Inspire action, I believe. Mm. That's right, and you don't find a husband that way either. (laughs) (laughs) That that is true. That is true. Yep. But the adventuring, it really does. It helps to keep your emotional body calm when you're trying to get out of your comfort zone. When it feels uncomfortable, the green adventuring is actually a really supportive stone Mm -hmm. um, to make you feel a little bit more comfortable in being uncomfortable. Mm. Now, Christy, um, you have this spell up on your uh, webpage, but if someone needed to have their hand held to create this spell, could Mm -hmm. you assist them with that? Definitely. So on the website, there is the DIY version where you just get sent everything. You get all your instructions, you get everything like that. Um, But in the new year, um, I'll be back doing... um, group workshops on spell jar creations so they're usually held on a tuesday night once a month Mm -hmm. um which will be after my meditation classes and yeah we just sort of go through different there's one for self-love abundance so we can do um empowerment self-empowerment confidence so we do, yeah, different things. Um, just, I guess, you know, the more people that contact me and tell me what it is they actually need help for is a better way for me to be able to put together. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you, would, you would cater for people who are just doing this for the very first time? Definitely. Awesome. And it doesn't Definitely. necessarily mean that you're practicing witchcraft or anything like that. It's an intention thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? It is. It is. It is an intention. And look, honestly, the ingredients that we use, it's all about vibration and association. So part of the workshop that we do when we craft it is we actually then craft it with intention. And then we actually, I guide them through a 20-minute meditation with their, holding their spell jar. Mm-hmm. So... 
the ingredients in there align with the vibration of what they're wanting. And so when they take that jar home, every time they look at it, they're reminded of what their intention was. Mm. So when we're talking about taking action, you don't just sit it on the shelf and go, that's my little money jar and hope something happens. Every time you see it, you're reminded that that's right, I'm doing this. Mm. It's a very subconscious way of doing it um, because the subconscious mind deals with symbology and um, all that sort of stuff. And working spells and magic is just exactly where that sits. So it's it's awesome about uh, with activating uh, that subconscious mind and mindset. Now, Robert's also mentioning here coffee chocolate moonstone is also good for travel. Apparently, coffee chocolate moonstone that is all my oh, loves. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I would eat that. <laughs> Coffee, chocolate, and crystals. Oh. And that is everything a person could want in life, <laughs> that, that surely. That is exactly right. <laughs> well, thank you again, Christy. Uh, of course, uh, anyone who is interested in this is uh, welcome to head over to Christy's webpage, Spells and Spirits. And I noticed that she has her spell jar for wealth DIY right there, ready to add to your cart. Yeah. For only 25 <laughs> bucks. Awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you again. And, um, You're more than welcome. We'll see you next week. We'll Keep those gum week. boots on, won't you? Yes, I'll get some gum boots, not gum boots starting with a C, Renata. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having trouble with my my Put words your teeth tonight. In. <laughs> Thanks, okay. Christy. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. We just want to read out some more uh, messages that have come through this evening. Yes, uh, Christy has responded on what she thought of that song. She loved it and she's singing along. Awesome. <laughs> I hope you all love that. It is still an awesome song. And it, it, People rip it off so badly. Uh, Deborah Ann, thank you so much for voting for us in the uh, the Australian Podcast Awards. We appreciate it. She says she's got memories of John English flooding back. First concert I went to when she was about 12 he wore leather pants with a lace-up fly. Oh, yes. Why is a 12-year-old girl <laughs> noticing that? <laughs> uh, Robert's put in there, 10 out of 10 therapists recommend getting your cack on by listening to Spooky Sundays. I totally agree. I feel completely different right now than when I walked in the studio a few hours ago. And uh, Bronwyn said, so many memories with this song. She's loving it. So you You've hit the spot there. Now, Renata did choose all the songs tonight, and she just said to me, she agonises about her choice of songs. I do. I spend I spend a long time uh, curating curating really? my, my songs. I do. I do. I just get the Spotify list out and go, <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, that one. Does anyone have any suggestions of some songs? Not seven-minute songs, please, that they would like to hear. I have a song, but I'm keeping it a secret until we, it's my turn next. Well, we can have have a uh, listeners night where yeah, it's just all their request. songs Absolutely. so we can collect them and once I think we need eight um no, we're not going to put the Pirates of Penzance on, Robert. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Robert's saying he went to the Pirates of Penzance with John English. Oh, uh, wasn't he a honey? Wasn't he a beautiful, beautiful person, John you, English? You know that I was nearly in a play with him, a musical, oh, playing his wife. You? Oh, were you? And I met John, and um, it was something that he had written, and uh, it was they were putting it on Newcastle, and... Uh, 
yeah, we, we talked. I, I was given the role. Uh-huh. I, I was actually going to be John English's wife. Oh. I was a little bit beside myself, and he's such a he was he was such a gorgeous, deep soul. Anyway, yes, um, yes. yeah. Then something happened with the the theatre, and they double booked it, and they changed the dates to when I was going to be in Europe with my husband, oh. and so I couldn't do it, and they had to get someone else, and I was. Gutted. Mm-hmm. I so wanted to be on stage because mm-hmm. apparently I got to go give him a hard time. I was a bit of a fishwife. Mm. Look, I, I know um, John English is very, um, very dear and near to a lot of Newcastle people. There's a, yeah. a real connection um, with John English and Newcastle. So. I saw him in Rasputin too. He was crazy. He was such a good Rasputin with that hair and those oh, eyes. Yes. <laughs> and he wrote Rasputin. Did he? He did. He wow. wrote the musical Rasputin. Um, uh, Joe said that uh, you agonise over the songs because you're a liberal like her. Oh, yes, Joe, 100%. I agonise over everything. Yeah. Now, um, as Renata was saying, we do have some ghost tours coming up. Check out the Newcastle Ghost Tours page uh, for all the latest tours that are going up. There are going to be more and more going up there once the, the places come back online again. Mm-hmm. We have been getting inquiries about the seance parlour that we ran and I mean you guys saw some of that when we did our live show last week Um, so we will get the seance parlour back up and running when we can have uh, the six people in one room at the one time and that's Mm -hmm. that's what it's going to take so that may not happen till next year but it will come back Mm -hmm. because it's such an amazing experience Uh, now this week we still have a few spots left for our Wallumbai ghost walk yeah Uh, it's not a hard walk either no it's not and uh, we have two sites that we go into which is the Wallumbai Museum and um, St Michael's Church oh and doesn't the spirit box go off in St Michael's oh my goodness they're chatty yeah (laughs) and uh, then we head down to the cemetery and um, we bring them gifts yeah as as a a show of respect and all with permission of the community which yep. is the most important thing that when you're doing this sort of stuff mm. but it's time for us to close off for this evening once again we hope that you have enjoyed the entertainment the chat the stories we love being here uh, and we hope you continue to follow us and that you share this around so that we get more people every week yeah so the radio station keeps us on <laughs> mm. so we're going to finish off with a fantastic song from Tina Turner to uh, just wake you all up and uh, we will see you again next week at 8pm for another session of Spooky Sundays until then see you on the dark side most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts but sometimes the facts don't give us the answer so it's time to call in Anne and Renata Spooky Sundays when the truth lies beyond a logical answer dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable sometimes unconventional but always entertaining it's spooky sundays with Anne and renata sunday from 8 p.m only on newcastle live